Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. From the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. This isn't Wolf sitting next to me, though. It's Kevin Ray. K-Ray, what's up? Hey, how we doing? Uh, look, I'm just glad the Suns have an opponent in the <clears throat> first round of the playoffs. Before we get to that, okay, I just want it noted because Wolf's not here, and I know when he comes back tomorrow, he's not going to give me any credit for it. And uh, Maloney is here, but she's not in the control room right now. Rick's here. Rick might actually give me credit. John Rom wins the Masters. I believe I called that on Thursday morning. Is that right? On this show, on the air. Wow. Rick, is this true? During Wolfing Down Your Lunch? So I guess it was noon. I don't remember. Awesome. All right. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. That's true. I think, <laughs> but you're, you're the one person I might have a chance of getting some credit from, and uh, I got the, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Either way, that was cool. ASU finishing technically 1-2 in the Masters. 1-2 in, in the Masters. Yeah. Um, and look, the way... Phil was playing, you know, where did that come from? I have no idea. And I think he's probably asking the same thing. Um, <laughs> you know, fortunately, not like the the NFL or the NBA, where Phil would have had people knocking on his door this morning for a drug test because <laughs> they didn't show him very much though during the broadcast. It was like, oh, by the way, Phil Mickelson's having the greatest round in the history of rounds. We're not showing any and of it. Why is that? Oh, Luke? I can't hmm. imagine. What that's, would be the reasoning well, behind that? Is there any sort of uh, other golf tournament or yeah. uh, tour out there? I don't know. I, you know, Pet- Petty is is not uh, reserved for just the other sports. No, apparently it isn't. Also, we're going to get like heavily into that Mavericks debacle at some point in the show. Yes, the, the team that Who isn't they play? even in the play in the play in uh, playoff. They play out. They 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 wanted to waste a year of their best player, who's apparently so great that they didn't want to take their chances with him in a play in tournament. So that's cool. And uh, now I hope they get the eleventh pick in the draft because that would be the best case scenario. Yeah, but none of that matters because the Suns actually are in the playoffs. And you and I were talking before the show, K-Ray, and it, it, <laughs> I'm overconfident in this first round. I really am. I Going even into the weekend on Friday, I, I felt like it's going to be Suns-Bucks. If everybody stays healthy from this point forward, I think it'll be Suns-Bucks. But, you know, obviously a lot could happen in there. But as far as playing the Clippers and a beat-up Clippers team with Paul George kind of iffy for the start of the series... I, maybe talk me down a little bit because I am too confident in this first round series. Um, okay. I will okay. happily talk you down because right. I have learned to have uh, zero overconfidence. I am confident, but I have learned um, that overconfidence just sets you up for a whole lot of angst, anxiety, and white knuckle gripping in, in certain situations. But in terms of first-round matchups, it certainly sets up more favorably, I will say, okay. for for the Suns. Um, I, I'm certainly not discouraged or worried, but uh, you know, maybe maybe it's just the fact that you know I've I've been around and seen this and done this for so long that overconfidence just never comes into play 
when I look at, at playoff scenarios. Well, the simple fact that you were in the city on May 15th of 2022 when they lost to the Mavericks. Ah, yeah, Cause, yeah, cause yeah. I just did a news hit right before the show, and they were like, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, probably like Suns and, and Six, maybe even like Five if things go great. And then I walked away from it, and I was like, well, that was dumb because this Clippers team is better than that Mavericks team they lost to in the second round of the playoffs yeah. last year. Now, I will say the Suns team should be better, too, with, with Kevin Durant. But uh, the thing that, that kind of gets lost in this is... You avoid Golden State, which is great. I think I would have rather played Golden State early yeah. than later. And that doesn't mean they can't beat them if they meet them in the Western Conference Finals. But just rest assured that the Golden State team that takes the floor on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they start their series, is not going to be as good as the Golden State team that will be there in the third round if Golden State gets there. Yeah, and look, let's not... I understand everybody, you know conceivably positioning themselves for the Kings because the Kings don't have any playoff experience. Um, Maybe we're not giving the Kings enough credit. I understand that defensively they haven't played a whole lot of defense. They are looking at outscoring teams. But let's not also forget Mike Brown knows the Warriors as well, if not better than anybody. And they do have home court advantage. Warriors struggled on the road last time I checked. So I think everybody is assuming, and I, and I found myself guilty of this, you know, as recently as 48 hours ago, that, that you just assume that the Warriors are going to march through and find a way to beat the Kings. What if they don't? Yeah. And, and it, is it an upset? I'm sure in the minds of some, it would be considered an upset because you've got, you know, the championship pedigree of the Warriors. But I think that, Folks are not giving the Kings and the job that Mike Brown has done nearly enough credit. Back to your original point, though, in regards to the Warriors, that was my whole feeling all along. Is like if we do face the Warriors, I wouldn't be as concerned in facing them in round one because one of their central figures of the championship run last year, Andrew Wiggins, has missed a month and a half. As much as they want to get him ramped up, ready to go, Every player, every coach, there is nothing like game condition. Oh, and by the way, playoff game condition is a whole nother level. Yeah, it's tough to just jump right into that. Yeah, you're you're going from zero to a hundred, not zero to sixty. You're going from zero to a hundred, and so to think and ask Andrew Wiggins to come out and play the level that he did last year in that championship run is completely off the table. They're the sort of team too, and. You get them in the first round, and and they've won so many titles that if it's not going well, they almost they almost have that vibe of like, you know what, we're not going to win the title this year, and maybe they're not as locked in as. But if you get them in the third round, obviously they're going to be like, hey, we're, another ring is is eight wins away. It's exactly yeah. exactly they they begin ramping up uh, some of those young guys that that did not step up to the level of play that I think everybody in that organization thought and felt they would and could and should. But maybe three rounds in, they are all yeah. of a sudden. They they have hit that next gear. So, but like you said, no guarantee Golden State gets there. No guarantee the Suns get there either. But, but as far as when we went into the weekend, it was you're either going to play the Warriors, Clippers, Pelicans, or Lakers in the first round. And of those four, especially with Paul George being iffy, uh, to me, the Clippers are the, quote, easiest of the four. Now, again, another caveat. They do have Kawhi Leonard. 
and he has a history of being on teams that win playoff series that they, quote, shouldn't. Basically, going back to what Toronto Golden State in the NBA Finals a few years ago, I don't know anybody who confidently was like, oh, yeah, Toronto will win that series. And I know Golden State had some injuries, but that's what Kawhi does. And he seems healthy. Yeah. And, you know, let's not discount Russell Westbrook. I mean, People keep looking at Russ and, and, you know, Monty made a great point yesterday, and and I've always felt this, you know, say what you want about Russ and the way that he maybe handled situations there with the Lakers. I would put more the onus and accountability or lack thereof on the Lakers part than than Russ's part. Uh, They did not use him correctly, but, but Monty had said, like, it's mind-boggling to him, and I've felt the same thing. The uh, the level of slander that has been thrown at a former league MVP, yeah. a guy who was a walking triple-double. And the one thing in this day and age of load management you can never question about Russell Westbrook is his heart and intent and desire to play every single night. If I am a hardworking fan who is paid good money and Russell Westbrook's team is in town, I can count on Russ playing. Yeah. I mean, unless he has a legitimate injury. And even then, he might say, no, I'm good enough to go. This isn't Dallas uh, tanking a playoff spot just so they can get the tank yeah. pick in the draft. So don't discount up. Russ and the Tasmanian devil type of attitude that he brings to the floor on a nightly basis. Yeah, that's a good point. And you, I think people even just forget he's even on the Clippers until you're watching the game. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, when we come back, reportedly six teams have card the, called the Cardinals on that uh, number three overall pick. So what should they do? And we're the six teams. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke. Uh, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is Wolf and Luke on a Monday morning. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf here. It's pretty perfect timing to have K-Ray in here with the Suns officially having their first-round opponent set, although they don't play till Sunday. We're going to get into a lot of basketball. Eddie Johnson's going to join us. Ann Myers-Drysdale, Kellen Olsen. Yeah, I mean, it's how long has it been since he talked to Eddie? Like, uh, 12 oh, hours? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, He's okay. coming up next, too. I may have a bathroom break or something coming up at the bottom of the hour. You might need to go like cook something in the microwave for 20 minutes. Uh, so Eddie's going to join us at 1030. Uh, but we're going to flip over to football here for uh, a segment because Adam Schefter tweeted this out, I don't know, an hour ago, hour and a half. Uh, the, the tweet is at least six teams have inquired with the Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick in the upcoming uh, draft. Per league sources, Cardinals still are mulling whether to move the pick or make the pick. So there's a couple parts to that, K-Ray, but the one that stands out to me first and foremost is, who are the six teams? Like, we were trying to work this out before, and I think we all expect that the Colts would at least be interested, right? Uh, Tennessee, that name has come up, because that's two. Baltimore, because they don't know what's up with Lamar. Uh, Figure the Raiders, because they seem to be in on every quarterback. Right. Well, that's four. I, I, there's not another a fifth or a sixth team that immediately stands out. Like I'm, I'm looking at the draft order right now, trying to figure out who else might just call to kick the tires. I mean, I guess Tampa, maybe Tampa would. Tampa picks what nineteenth. I, I mean, maybe. I, it, it, you know, to be fair, Adam Sheffield didn't say here's six teams and there's a bidding war and they're all just upping the price every time they talk. But 
six teams to at least call and kick the tires about that pick. So the Cardinals are going to have offers. Yeah, and that's a great... Um, that's a great recognition there, Tampa. I hadn't even considered that being, you know. You, I'm just guessing. You you tend to look at, you know, top 10, top 11 as who might try to make that jump. Yeah. But when you consider some of the, the buzz coming out about the quarterbacks, and I heard, um, you know, Vinny and Vic talking about it this morning. I mean, every year this happens. You know, the quarterback buzz, the, the, the one to three quarterbacks that everybody was like, yeah, he's good. And then all of a sudden within a, a month span, like, oh my God, he's amazing. This, this guy with seasoning, with the right, this, with the right team, the right coach, he could be a can't miss. <clears throat> Somebody which needs is what they were saying about Zach Wilson, I believe. That, yeah. Well, you know, he, had, he had that one throw at pro day, which, yeah. So that obviously made him into a Hall of Fame quarterback at the NFL <laughs> level, except the Jets are already trying to replace him. Uh, the, the, Somebody needs to put together a chart for mock drafts that come out on like January 1st or whatever, or certainly any mock drafts that come out during the season. Because it's always like, there's always one that's like, well, we see the top five with no quarterbacks this year, and then nothing changes. There are no more games, and by draft day, I, I mean, at least three quarterbacks are going in the top five. I wouldn't be shocked if four went in the top five, honestly, this year. And this happens every year. Like you said, they just move up. That position moves up without doing anything between January and April, which is great for the Cardinals this year. Yeah, and all these decades later, um, despite all the all the analytics, all the scouting information, the, the level of pay and so-called expertise from the general managers and the player personnel people, you know, 30, 40 years later, there is still no exact science nope. to selecting the guy. The reality is, you figure you figure these four quarterbacks. Okay, so it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Probably one of them will be really good, uh, even though I don't know that any of them looked like amazing during the regular season. Like they looked amazing within the college, you know, but it, it, that that sort of profile. But when you start to project to the NFL, none of them looked like amazing. But one of them will probably be really good, and one of them will probably be serviceable, and one of them will probably be out of the league in a few years, and the other one will probably be a backup. I mean, that's yeah. Tends it's to like be... the something, nothing, or everything. Yeah, game. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except you got to trade all your draft picks to do Who the something. Who of these will be playing in five years? Which of these will be playing for the same general? manager, you know, who yeah. who of these players will be moving on to a different team? A la Baker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who goes basically who takes the Josh Allen path? Who takes the Baker Mayfield path? Who takes the Josh Rosen path? Yeah. That's I mean, you'll have to go back that far to look at this. Uh, I was talking to somebody over the weekends and I, th- I think we even maybe talked about this on Friday, but what you just said of like, how long is the GM going to be there? Who's going to be playing for the same GM? There is something to that. If you're a GM, do you really want to go all in on, let's say, Will Levis? If you don't love Will Levis, knowing once you have drafted him, you're tied to that guy. And if you don't... Yeah, both of your clocks start. Yes, the second that draft, yeah. And whereas if you don't draft him and you're just like, hey, maybe we go a year without a quarterback, but you could get Caleb Williams or whoever you like next year, that, I'm sure, factors into this, too. Like, you think about a team like the Raiders, let's say. Okay, they got Jimmy G. They could go this season. If you're the GM there, you're probably not on the clock as long as you just run with Jimmy G. Right. But the second you go, hey, we're going all in on Anthony Richardson or whoever, well, then that's it. That's probably the last quarterback you're going to draft, so hopefully he's good. Yeah, and, you know, you you go back to the the scheme around him, your coach. You know, how do you, 
do you have the right coach with this kid? Um, so I, the, the idea that there are six teams calling for the Cardinals um, seems very interesting. The thing you and I were talking about is I think the four legitimate, I think two theoretically could be on – Fishing expeditions to see what's just up. looking for value. Look, look Maybe at a see, wrong like, number. What the <laughs> yeah, new phone? Who does? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, when, when you when you brought that up pre-show, I started looking through the list in a different way, and and so then it's like, all right, is Green Bay calling? I mean, probably not. They they seem to to love Jordan Love. Are the Jets calling just to get the word out there? Hey, by the way, you know, since you, you haven't given us Aaron Rodgers, maybe we're, there's already that, that story out there that, you know, Aaron Rodgers might go to the Niners, which doesn't seem true. So there's maybe some posturing. The other team, maybe New England, they don't seem to be all in on Mac Jones. Maybe they would call. Well, the, was it Friday when the story came out that uh, Bill supposedly has been floating? Yeah. I think when the owners' meetings were here, what was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. That supposedly Bill was kind of dangling uh, his quarterback. So perhaps they, see, perhaps they see something in these quarterbacks that, you know, that we're talking about as – a little more legitimate, I'd be surprised because of the grasp that Mac has on the system there. But yeah, what does Will Levis really give you that Mac Jones doesn't? If you're the Patriots, because you already have Mac Jones. And, well, and, and Robert Kraft has basically said, uh, I don't intend on missing the playoffs again. So you're going to bring in a, a rookie, a rookie to, start over. to get yeah. you back in the playoffs? Yeah, that's weird. So maybe it's not them. We just sit here and cross off. If we go through all <laughs> right. 32 teams. Uh, here, on the other end of this is, of course, Will Anderson. Will Anderson Jr., Edge, Alabama. Will Anderson, a beast, a monster, a machine. That's how the edge rusher was described while at Alabama. The two-time All-American finished his college career with 34 and a half sacks, 62 tackles for loss, and more than 200 quarterback pressures over three seasons. He is widely considered the best defensive player in this year's draft. Anderson makes game-changing plays in the run game and as a pass rusher and with an intensity that will make Wolf proud. Scouts would like to see a more consistent motor all the way through the play, but they believe his athleticism and his will could lead to a Pro Bowl career. NFL comp, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Demarcus Ware. It's funny, K-Ray, somebody uh, tweeted over during, over the weekend of, hey, if the D-backs keep playing like this, maybe, maybe Wolf's going to forget about Will Anderson because he's going to be so giddy about the D-backs. <laughs> and um, Wolf's really giddy about Will Anderson. Oh, I've, I've, I've listened to the program. I think I'm, the D-backs I'm well aware of the level of the giddiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we haven't got your thoughts on this yet because every time we have you on to talk Suns, we end up talking Suns. Um, the other part of that tweet was the Cardinals are still mulling whether they would trade the pick or keep the pick. So if you are in the position of Monty Austinfort, how heavily are you looking at the fact that Will Anderson might just honestly be a, I don't want to say generational talent, but maybe the best talent in this draft, and that's a guy you don't want to trade? Yeah, you know, it, it feels like there are a few parts to this. Um, and you have to to look and honestly ask yourself, because I think it's safe to say they're in a rebuild, right? Yeah, they're not I mean, one piece away. It, right. Yeah. So I think you have to ask yourself, how far away are we in the rebuild? Yeah. Um, you can take Will 
and feel like next year you're ready to make that jump back into the playoff pool. Or you could also say, realistically, I've got a quarterback coming off of a severe knee injury. I don't feel confident enough. Could we push for a playoff spot next year? You know, just the way the league is structured. Anything's possible. You feel like, yeah, anything is possible. You look at what Seattle did last year. Giants. Uh, Giants, too. But I think that's what they have to ask themselves, you know, with a very honest and sobering conversation. Like, how close are we? Yeah. Could he be a difference maker? Yes. But could multiple picks accelerate your positioning for the the playoffs and and look that's that's why he's in the position he's in cuz it's not an easy answer it's not it's not you know black and white especially if six teams are calling you you might be like ah okay let's let's just see how much you you're right. willing to offer cuz how much can you leverage that i mean can you get two extra picks out of it yeah um based on the level of activity that is supposedly coming in, you know, the the inbound calls. Well, and if you go with Will Anderson, he better be amazing <laughs> because you've you've really tied yourself to that. Uh text us your thoughts to the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, back to basketball. What does Eddie Johnson think about the Suns first round matchup with LA? The Suns broadcaster is going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf today on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, welcome back to the show on this fine Monday morning. Wolf, not here, probably planning the parade for the D-backs, maybe the Suns as well, but uh, certainly the D-backs the way he was going last week. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf, and joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now is Andy Johnson, Phoenix Suns analyst, of course, for Valley Sports. And uh, Kay, I think somebody you know pretty well. Man, you know how much I got to talk to this guy? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I don't think we told Eddie you were here. Eddie, how's it going, man? Uh, You didn't, so I was really... You know, calling in for Wolf. So since K Ray's there, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Peace out, smooth shooter. <laughs> Dropping uh, the mic. That's hilarious. Uh, he right. and I have he and I have a private little thing going on right now because I got something on him, <laughs> and I won't divulge what it is. But I saved his life. I, I have I no saved problem life divulging what it is. See, don't set it up like that because people are like, oh my God, what Sounds kind like of huge. What kind of skeleton does K Ray have in his closet <laughs> that EJ can reveal? <laughs> <laughs> Smart move by EJ, though. You still have the power yeah. until you yeah, reveal see this, it. Yeah. this comes from a guy who's been doing NBA radio for you know for close to a decade now. So he's got this like, oh, I'm gonna set this up and create a little juicy <laughs> time spent listening. <laughs> professional move. Yeah. I I went and I stepped to the side of the court for Al's halftime ceremony yesterday, which okay. was absolutely beautiful. It was a wonderful moment. Tip the cap to the to the Suns organization, Matt Ishbia, for having Jerry Colangelo there. So I walked to the edge of the court because I wanted to kind of be around to the front, even though you could see it on the video board. And so I thought, I'm going to watch this and then duck back, hit the bathroom real quick and come back out. So that's what I did. But uh, I misjudged the amount of time and traffic that I was trying to, to weave through. And so we come back and Michelle Godwin, our stage manager, kind of had this like panic look on her face, like, hurry up. Well, I saw on the clock that there was 251. So I thought, 
based on the halftime ceremony. I was going to have time. We weren't going to do it on camera. Anyway, my guy EJ bailed me out because we came back from break. And like, you know, like, like a true veteran, he said, I got this. So he brought us back from break, you know, gave the score. And so we sat down and he tapped me on the shoes like, you know, you missed us coming back. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, Eddie, we're, we're see, yeah, go ahead. See, like, like a true professional. See, I never get up at halftime. I stay in my seat because I want to be ready. You know, I'm observing everything. I don't need to go back there and just hobnob and drink coffee and just, you know, have a good time. Right, because Michelle goes back and gets your tea and your popcorn (laughs) (laughs) while we're revealing all the state secrets. (laughs) Also a professional move. Uh, all right, Eddie. They got they get the uh, they get the Clippers in the first round. I'm sure you've been asked a million questions about the Clippers, but you know now everything everything starts all the the you know the posturing and load management, whatever it is around the league. Here you go. You got the Clippers in round one. Do you, do you feel like the Suns are are in a position where they're playing some of their best basketball when they obviously put the four main guys out there? Well, as good as they can, right? I mean, obviously, you know, when you bring a player over midseason, it's always adjustment, but I mean, they're undefeated with Kevin Durant in the lineup. So that that's a huge positive right there, no matter how you look at it. And, you know, look, you just, just try to look at it on paper, man. Like, we don't know what the journey is going to be. We don't know what's going to jump up, foul trouble, injury, whatever it is, right? All I do know, and K-Ray will agree with this, you look on paper at our team, we can beat anybody. And so when you go into the playoffs, you know the unknown is going to jump up. But do you have enough ammunition to make up for something that does jump up on you? A couple of years ago, Chris Paul went down, campaign stepped in, and we were still able to hold our own against the L.A. Clippers. So for me, I feel good about what we have going into the playoffs. And now it's just about, you know, who can persevere and who can stay healthy. That's all I've ever thought about as an athlete is like, do I have soldiers with me? And no matter what happens, can we persevere and do we have the ability to fight through anything? And this team does. And so that's why I'm excited about the playoffs and and what we have in front of us. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think one of the comments that Monty made yesterday before the game is because he was asked about, you know, this year's team compared to last year. And while this this current collective hasn't necessarily been stressed uh, by the addition of, of Kevin Durant and Terrence Ross and T.J. Warren, um, but those are all veterans. But Monty said there is definitely a feeling of, you know, having more value and a better understanding because they were stressed in so many different ways this year due mm-hmm. to the injuries and having to juggle the lineup, you know, on a nightly basis and getting guys bench playing time. You and I talked about it yesterday. And while they may not prove to be huge factors come playoff time, and speaking of, a, you know, a Saban Lee and Ish Wainwright and Jock Landale, the fact that those guys all got thrown into the fire in certain situations, it, it certainly lends itself to having more confidence for Monty if I need five to seven minutes out of especially Jock and Ish in, in this first round series. Okay, well, you're 100% correct. I mean, that's the beautiful part about it 
is all those guys have gotten opportunities to really show their worth and have gotten game time experience to be able to go out there when called upon, come playoff time, because that's all you need. Now it's just about the game. Now in the playoffs, it's not about individual numbers. It's not about what you do. It's amazing how that changes. Now it's just all about team. It's just all about getting the W. Like, however you can get it, it can be ugly. I mean, the Suns can shoot 35%, you know, and they win. That's all it's about. It's not about anything else. You're not going to be judged uh, intently on what you do personally. Yeah, you might be a little dissected in order to further, further push you ahead, but for the most part, it's about the W. And, 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 and so Monty's correct. Now these guys understand it, and they're going to play whatever role that they have, whether it's two minutes, whether it's, whether it's a minute going into a game and just having to do something. Whatever it takes to win the game, that's what it is right now. It's nothing else. And this team knows that. It, it dealt with a really harsh, harsh blow last year. They know it. Like, no one stepped up in game seven. Like, they couldn't get anything from anybody in game seven. Everyone seemed to be flat-footed. And, and that can't happen again. And so when it does happen, you see the result. Yeah. yeah, it's best time of the year. Eddie, we appreciate the time as always, man. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks see you soon, brother. All right, now. That's, uh, that's Eddie Johnson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Night. Just listen to Eddie talking now. Like I'm, it's, it's, get, get to Sunday, all right? Like I'm ready for the let's the little redemption tour after the way uh, last year played out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when we come back, baseball going strong, and the D-backs just took three out of four against the Dodgers. They're tied for first in the NL West. What's your excitement level about this team now? They made it through those first ten games even better than I was hoping for. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, we're going to get into the mess that is not the entire rest of the Western Conference, but some of it in a little bit. And it's not just the Mavericks. Minnesota, how many draft picks did you, how many first round picks did you trade for Rudy Gobert, who you just had to suspend for punching his teammates? Somewhere in Salt Lake City, Danny Ainge, I don't know if Danny smokes cigars like his uh, former, <laughs> but he might today. He might, he might today. <laughs> wow. What a mess. All right, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get back to basketball, but we got to talk some baseball. And I joked before, maybe Wolf's not here today because he's planning the parade for the D-backs. He has been fired up for this team. Honestly, K-Ray, and I know you listen to the show, so you've probably heard it, but he's been fired up for this year's team since last year. When last year was still going, he was talking about, okay, what happens, though, when we get to spring training and there's competition with some of these young outfielders and young players on this team? And honestly, man, I'm I'm, I'm right there with him because I got to do the pre- and post-game for a few of the games last year, and, and, and it's always a great time out there. It's a great organization, but... um you could see last year like something's coming on the horizon here and they're going to be they're going to be a fun team i did not i didn't expect three straight over the the dodgers over the weekend and now you've got a team that i've been saying on the show if you can make it out of the first 10 games 5 and 5 you're in a great spot you play the dodgers five more times all year and it's not even till august but instead, you're six and four. And as somebody tweeted me before the show this morning, you might want to keep playing the Dodgers the way you're playing against LA right now. I mean, I'll say this: you know, 
Baseball is such a long marathon of a season. And when your team is winning, uh, it's glorious. Yes. Um, this the, is glorious right now. Yeah. And the the hardest thing, as we all know, is when your team is losing. And when you know your team is going to lose, and when you know your team is going to lose for a while. And you have nothing to play for, and it's game 87 I was going to say, it, it, it's May 28th, yeah. and you're like, how many more <laughs> games? <laughs> you know, and, and when your fan base is talking more and is more excited about your farm system. Yeah. But the caveat to that is that if if you don't trade away that farm system and you continue to groom and work, then it, it truly is like, I'll go all Nick Sirianni on you, you know. Yeah. We, we got to plant it in the dirt, we got to water it, and we got to grow it. <laughs> <laughs> because we have seen this small little plant spring to life and you started to see it midway through last season and certainly the the arrival of Corbin Carroll there there's this this kid I can't say that I'm a huge baseball guy I I, I love to see the D-backs play well just with my schedule um, I've only got so much bandwidth I enjoy watching baseball from afar trying to keep up to it, but you could just see and feel this. This kid's got like the the juice factor, the yeah. it factor, and to see it kind of play out late in the season, and then now to have some addition arrivals. I love the fact they kept Tory. Um, I think that continuity and his kind of veteran calming voice has been huge for this team through this and will continue to pay off dividends. Well, they're actually developing young players now, too, and, which yeah, is and, the other part of the equation. Developing, and now the, the development is turning into wins for this fan base and wins against a team that you felt like, well, you and I were talking about the show, was like, how many times did you feel like, oh, it's a four-game series against the Dodgers. Okay, who do they play next? Because those are four L's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the thing. Like even you know, even though they weren't contending for playoff spots the last couple of years, obviously, it felt like every time, every time you kind of got a reason to find optimism and be like, okay, well maybe this is a sign that something. You got three more against the Dodgers, and it was just 19 games against the Dodgers and 19 games against the Padres. Now I get it; they're beating the Dodgers right now, and I. I think maybe the most underrated part of all of this is they had that loss to the Padres last week with the, the, the two home runs in the bottom of the ninth, which is brutal. I mean, that you see that bury teams all the time, and they've won four or five since then. Right. So they immediately responded and started winning games. And you mentioned Corbin Carroll. When you look at where stuff has turned for this team, and I get it, they're only 6-4, and four, but let's also look at the fact of who they just played their first 10 games against. Like, they are set up now to potentially be in this for a while. Um to me, it changed when you got to play some of these guys late last year because it did build some legitimate excitement. They're not just names that are playing in Reno or wherever. Right. Um, you, you had that. You were able to draft Drew Jones. So now it's like you've got all these guys move up, and you still have Drew Jones and Brandon Fott and Jordan Lawler and some other guys in the system that would feasibly come up. 
And then when you got to sign Corbin Carroll, and I know he's hitting 250 right now, but anybody that's watching, like, he's, he's a menace to the other team, and you know he's yours for the next eight years. So there's not even that, like, kind of thought in the back of your mind, like, if this guy gets too good, he's just going to the Dodgers, right? Or he's going to the Yankees. He's not. He's here. Everything Corbin Carroll does, you can just multiply it because he's staying here. Yeah. And, and then you, you factor in, you know, sometimes it's by planning. Sometimes it's by happenstance. I think it's probably somewhere in between here with this team. But the fact that these players have been groomed now for the last two or three seasons and also happens to coincide with some of the rules changes, the bases being larger, the speed this team now possesses, and all of a sudden this team goes from, oh, it's this, you know, scrappy young team. It's like, no. This team is a nuisance. They are an irritant. If if you if they get on the base paths as a pitcher, you've got multiple things to worry about now. They're stressful. You got you got the pitch clock on one side of your head. Yeah. You got a runner on the base paths the other side of your head. Somewhere in between, you got to figure out what you're going to throw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not giving, if they're going to play defense uh, the way you know they can, and I know they gave up a decent amount of runs over these last few games to the Dodgers, but they also scored 23 on the Dodgers in two games. It's exactly what you said. We had Derek Hall on last week, and he said that uh, just talking to some of the owners towards the end of last year, they were like, "We don't really like playing you guys," which is not something you hear when you're a team that missed the playoffs, right? But you could sort of see this coming, and you're right. When you when you work in the rule changes too, I can't imagine facing the Diamondbacks with Corbin Carroll on first base or Jake McCarthy on first base or just some of the speed they have. I, I can't imagine they're a fun team to play. Even if you beat them, there are definitely teams that you would rather just okay. This is a little more calm and casual. You're playing the Diamondbacks. You're probably going to be your pitchers going to be stressed out for a good chunk of the game. This is Josh Rojas post game yesterday talking about already having two four-game series against the Dodgers in the books. It feels really good. Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we were putting the pressure on. I felt like it was like the first time I've ever played the Dodgers where it felt like, you know, they they, they could feel the pressure um, and there's nothing really they could do about it. I mean, it wasn't like we were, you know, smacking the ball over the place, just finding holes, not striking out, putting the ball in play, and, and then when we got on base, just putting the pressure on. Because that's sustainable with the way this team is built. Yeah, and and the other factor here too um, is the the youthful exuberance. There there's something to be said for you. You don't know what you don't know, and for you know for many of these guys, the the grind of 162 game seasons and 162 game season and multiple years of that hasn't set in, and. While there is value in that, you know, the, the veteran, I, I think there is that window of opportunity when you have guys who they still have that absolute love and joy of driving to the stadium every day. Yeah. I'm in the bigs. I'm, I'm playing majorly. I'm playing against the Dodgers. I'm playing against the Padres, you know, two teams that are considered you know, contenders for a World Series, I have a chance to derail that. And I think that that kind of energy is so key for a team in the position that the Diamondbacks are in right now. And and you can you can stack wins as a result of that. That's a good point because there's going to be, you know, just down days, obviously, over the course of 162. Yeah. But the D-backs are built in such a way right now where – 
there's going to be guys on the team, and hopefully it's this way for the fans too, where it feels like the start of the season with that sort of hope all year long because there is so so much unknown, and we, we don't know what the ceiling is for this team. The stat from the game yesterday, 10 games in franchise history where the D-backs have scored 11 or more runs without the benefit of even hitting a home run, and that obviously happened yesterday. Uh, when we come back, We'll get back into the Suns, maybe take a look at that bench that we got to see on display over the weekend. What's this rotation going to look like in the playoffs? It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.